space in the paintings really allows the image to open up more for the viewer. And there's something, I don't know, there's something very interesting that I've always kind of worked with space. I've always had this kind of strange flatness, these kind of clumsy, dumb moments where the images make sense as an environment, but there are moments where the painting completely falls apart. And I think that space that operates within each image and every space within the painting is different. But I think the space and the image kind of has these moments of, of criticality in it or believability and other moments where the, the space becomes kind of, whether it, maybe it's poorly painted or maybe it's more naively painted, these moments where the painting kind of becomes sincere, where the material um, allows itself to be exactly what it is, you know, to not function as an image, to realize that maybe, you know, it, it really is just a piece of paper glued down. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's episode 103, we're speaking with Mel Cook, who is a painter and has an exhibition opening this Saturday, March 22nd, at the Peoria Art Guild from 7 to 9 p.m. Melissa's work explores a range of still life, interior, portraiture, landscape, and of course we discuss that in the interview and of course cover what's coming up at Between the Voids, so you don't want to miss that show. We'd also like to remind you that Melissa is the winner, at least one of three, in the MFA category for our 2013 competition. Again, this is an annual competition due May 31st. Details are to be out soon. Again, nine winners total, three from three different categories, BFA, MFA, and professional. So if you'd like to be featured on Studio Break and perhaps get set up with a solo show, please consider applying. If you've never heard of Studio Break before, we are a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists and guests that come on and discuss their work in great length and detail. They tell stories. They share all sorts of insight into their practice. And, of course, we share their work. You can see there's images of their artwork as well as links to their websites. So please make sure to peruse them and check them out. We've got a lot of them. One easy way to stay up to date with that is to like our Facebook page. Again, it's a great way to stay in touch and to find out about competitions, guest announcements, things like that. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break. And our Tumblr page is Studio-Break. All right, here is this interview with Mel. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm really excited to be uh, chatting already this morning with Mel Cook. Hi, thank you. Good morning. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about your show, which opens up Peoria Art Guild. Again, you were our 2013 MFA winner, and you also got this show, which is pretty exciting. So again, congratulations on all that. You know, again, we're excited to have you on and, and to feature you on Studio Break. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm really excited about it. We're going to cover a wide range of your work, and mm -hmm. so I was explaining to you just a couple minutes ago, I was really excited to learn that you're a BG person. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, you know, I, went, I went to school at a SIUC, and mm -hmm. I met a number of BG students, Bowling Green State University. I know there's a lot of good artists coming out of there, so again, it's exciting to see that continue. Yeah, I really loved it when I was there. Um, it's a great school. I had a really great community there. It was it was a great, great program. I really loved it. Are you from Ohio then? Are you 
a Ohio native. Totally. So I uh, was born and raised on the west side of Akron in a kind of a rural area called Medina, Ohio. Probably only Ohioans know where that is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I didn't move to Illinois until um, I came to graduate school at Illinois State. So I spent all my life in Ohio, same house growing up in the woods. And um, yeah, very Midwest lifestyle. Loved it. <laughs> and so was uh, art making always something that you wanted to do? Kids always want to draw and, and do that kind of thing. But was, was that something that you kind of gravitated towards early on as uh, something maybe like I could do this, you know? Absolutely. I mean, when I was a really little kid, my mom would lay uh, butcher paper out in the kitchen floor and she would put trays of paint and uh, let me run around on the floor and kind of make marks everywhere. And my parents were always super encouraging of drawing and of painting and continually making stuff. They really let me kind of grow that skill when I was a child. And they would take me to art museums. And I remember one time when I was a child, going up to the Cleveland Art Museum and seeing paintings for the first time. And I remember just standing in front of the painting and going, that's what I want to do at a really young age. But unfortunately, I thought that you had to be a white man to make a painting. I didn't learn later, uh, much later, that there were many, many other types of artists uh, that exist in the world. So, yeah, I mean, it grew, it grew at a very early age, and it's kind of continually grown and kind of turned into my everyday practice. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. You know, we're just talking briefly a little bit about our schedules and, and teaching and all that, mm -hmm. but it is something to kind of learn that, that there's a huge, huge world of art out there, you know, than the one that you might be exposed to when you're coming up or even just in high school or, and things like that. Was was um, taking art classes in high school something that, that became, you know, like your go-to or did you kind of come to it a different way? Yeah, and I think maybe it was my art classes in high school that were kind of my saving grace because when I was in school, I always liked, I always liked school. I always liked Spanish and history and all these different subjects, but I never really felt like I had really connected with anything. And then I remember taking some art classes in high school and, and just really feeling like that was, you know, that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how there could be a career and I didn't know what would happen after that. Thankfully to uh, one of my high school teachers, Mrs. Ark who talked to me about, you know, going and perceiving uh, my Bachelor of Fine Arts at college. And, I, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. I just thought that, you know, there's idea of starving artists exists and, oh, you graduate and then you just make paintings in your basement and, you know, sometime somebody comes and finds you and all of a sudden you're, you know, in a gallery. But that's not really how the art world works, is it? It's, it's interesting how people come to it. I, I for some reason, remember thinking that I was going to work for Industrial Light and Magic. Mm -hmm. Or something like that, you know, like, and it's so weird to think about it now, but I just never, I just never really thought about it beyond that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, for one point I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go to college. I don't even know what I would study. I don't think I'm that smart. And I am so glad that I stuck with art because I, I, yeah, I just can't imagine my life without it now. It's such a part of my everyday. And so did you, did you have a lot of different opportunities in terms of the, the classes that they have? I know a lot of high schools offer huge range it seems like today you know you'll you'll come up I've, I've seen some class some high schools that have 3d printers and oh, yeah. all of that type of stuff going already but did you take a lot of different classes or was it mostly 2d or what well we had uh, we had a pretty small school but our art program was actually pretty well funded the great thing is is that we had a pretty good support from the community so we had photography and sculpture and drawing and painting i usually mostly just took drawing and painting i did take ceramics but painting was kind of where I found my love. And so we had an AP art class my senior year, my 
teacher decided to kind of start that program for us. And that was kind of a, a kind of a godsend. That that's kind of what got me into and prepared for college. And then starts BG. Yes. So what was, what was that experience like? Cause you know, and it's so weird to me now. Cause I, again, mm-hmm. so, so what was it like kind of starting, starting college classes? I mean, did you kind of gravitate towards, you know, that kind of rigorous drawing and painting kind of working from observation or is it something that, I don't know, took a little time to sink in? Oh my God. I loved it. <laughs> it was like everything that was lacking in high school. I finally found And in my community, too. I mean, growing up in kind of a rural area, there's not a lot of discussion about art. There's not a lot of allowance for differences. And so I was really, really excited about that experience. It was kind of the first time in in my life where I thought, wow, there's actually a community where I I really belong. And so I, I loved that grind. I loved being in the studio, you know, 12 hours a day and you know, finding places to sleep on a bench in between critiques because you, you're waiting for paintings to dry and you're drawing. And I remember my first drawing class, <laughs> our instructor was from Goldsmith College, I believe in uh, England, and people hated him. He would tear drawings up in front of people. He'd make them cry. You know, he was just kind of an ass kicker. He was a really great instructor to have to kind of break down this barrier. You know, he really expected a lot of work from you and he really expected top performers in the field. So that was that was my first semester, my first week of class, and that was kind of an eye-opener as this is a really serious and really competitive field, and I wanted to be a part of it. You know, I didn't see that. That didn't discourage me. That actually got me really excited. Well, it's, it's interesting because there's such a difference in terms of the way that maybe you kind of learn in terms of some high school classes or something like that versus especially being like plunked down in front of what looks like the same still life setting, you know, class after class or, mm-hmm. you know, but you're expected to kind of get something from it. So I think especially when you kind of are able to deal with that challenge, it's, I don't know, it's pretty interesting, you know, and, and pretty interesting even just as an instructor now to kind of keep, you know, seeing that happen. So one of the great things about Bowling Green that I think was probably really unique, and I still think it is very unique to this day, is that they have uh, these living learning communities. And so I met uh, one of my mentors and really good friend, Gordon Ricketts, ran this living learning community of, it's called the Arts Village, of students that were in the arts, that were also in any kind of art-related field, theater, music, you know, performing arts. And because we were all living with each other and, you know, growing with each other, we had class together, that was a really, really strong community. And so you know, being in the studio and then going back to your dorm and then living around, you know, people that are in your class, you're continually kind of talking about each other's work and that's continually influencing you. And so it was kind of this like microcosm of energy. And that's, I think that experience from Bowling Green is kind of what solidified me in my studio practice, this continual drive, this continual excitement, um, which is still going today. Was there like a, a great deal of focus on like in terms of technique and, and working from observation? It's one of the things that I think about, you know, when I first started looking at your paintings is, is that balance. Because um, especially like the, the color, you know, is something that I notice in, in the current work and, you know, in the recent works. It's so, so articulate. It's so interesting and, and varied and controlled, it seems like. Is that something that you dealt with a lot uh, in the BG world? Ironically, no. <laughs> really, really? <laughs> no, I when I was in, uh, when I was at Bowling Green, I was actually making abstract work. I had no interest in representation. A lot, there was a huge trend at the school of photorealist painting. You know, I never even took figure painting when I was there because the majority of the paintings that were coming out of the class were photo-based. 
you know, extreme representational images. And I just didn't have a relationship to that type of painting. And I think you can probably see that relationship now in my work, but I was always really interested in surface and material. So that was always kind of the main drive for my work, even from an early beginning. The image working representationally didn't start to come into play until grad school. And so what, what was it like that? I mean, I, I know, again, you know, for myself, I kind of had a similar trajectory, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, and I think a lot of people do. Maybe they start out classes where it's all all representational based mm-hmm. and you kind of get into exploring materials and that. What kind of work were you making? I mean, if you could kind of describe it. <laughs> You know, you've done all of these these things that are kind of requirements and you get into investigating that that work that you kind of want to own, really. Yeah. Oh, God, that is whew, you're opening up my diary, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think something that always drew my work. I mean, obviously, I talked about materiality, but uh, when it comes to content, I was always really interested in the idea of being aware of being looked at. And I think part of that probably comes from being a woman maybe, and also maybe part of growing up with an older brother, <laughs> being very aware of seeing how other people look at people, especially women. And so I was really interested in images, how we kind of consume these these objects or, or look at these surfaces. And so I think I didn't really know how I wanted to kind of articulate those ideas. And so my first response was kind of playing around with material and creating these kind of saturated landscapes with textures. And um, it wasn't probably until my senior year when I was really starting to get interested in working with the body. And so I kind of slowly started working with parts of the body. You know, they're really pretty abstracted, you know, hands and legs or like sections of torsos kind of floating in these weird landscapes. They sound kind of horrific, but um, I was looking at George Bazlitt's work a lot. So they were definitely influenced by his work, a lot darker, kind of graphic, you know, they're kind of spilling their guts and stuff. So very dramatic. I have to say it's very, very undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've been talking about material and surface and, you know, that especially something that I want up writing down, you know, just in terms of looking at the work is something that, that kind of keeps popping up. Was it something where in, at that time you were still, you started kind of really exploring all these different materials and seeing how they could kind of work together? Or was that something also that came a bit later? That's a good question. Well, I took, um, they called it contemporary painting, whatever that means, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. So I took a contemporary painting class with my one professor, Mila Gouldbeck, who was awesome. And uh, I really liked that class. It was basically showing us how to use new techniques in painting, mostly based with collage and acrylic. So that class definitely affected the way I applied materials. I never really worked with oil very much in undergrad. I wasn't really a fan of it. I work with it today, but I was always really interested in collaging and kind of creating these like weird plasticky surfaces. And so that class was pretty influential because it allowed me to explore a lot of new range with acrylic paint and kind of collage materials and and work with surfaces in a different way that I couldn't do with oil paint. So yeah, that that class was definitely uh, influential in my work and still influences my work today. But I really got into collage again um, after graduate school. And I think Part of that is the work is kind of starting to respond to having my studio in a domestic space, you know, continually being aware of being in a house and making work is very different experience than being in a studio in a warehouse. You know, there's a very different feel. There's a very different sense of space, you know, even light, all kinds of things like the furniture that are in your studio, all these kind of things, I think really start to influence the work. Interesting. Interesting. And so, well, just to kind of continue this, uh, Mm -hmm. 
So how, how did you wind up coming to Illinois State University? What drove you there? Oh, man. I Besides I'm your car. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, my, my lovely, lovely Chrysler Concord. Well, that's a good question. So I, maybe I'm, I'm not the most model student when it comes to uh, researching graduate schools and applying, but I, um, was, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with painting. I knew that I really liked it my senior year. I felt like I hit this, you know, I hit the ground running and I felt like I really struck a note within my work and I really wanted to continue that body of work. And so I decided that I was going to apply to graduate school. I didn't really know what that all was going to be about. And so I started talking to my professors and they, you know, they were showing me programs and I started researching. And I remember I had visited Illinois State a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, um, for one of the print conferences. And I loved it there. I remember working with the faculty there and I just really liked the environment. You know, I was, it really kind of reminded me of Bowling Green in a way I felt comfortable there. And I was really excited about a lot of the faculty work that was coming out of there. And so I applied and amazingly I got in. I was the only painter that year to get accepted. So that was, that was really exciting. And so that was kind of a new journey for me. You know, I moved out of state. I didn't know anybody when I moved to Illinois, you know, so packed up my car and uh, my cat and I left (laughs) and then I came to Illinois. So, and now I've been here since, since 2009. So awesome. Awesome. Well, if if you like Illinois, it's awesome. I guess. Yeah. The flatness reminds me a lot of Bowling Green. I'm I'm not exactly keen on the flatness, but I grew up in a really hilly, wooded area, so that's a little foreign to me, but the people are pretty much the same. I'm always about transitions, I guess. You know, I'm always interested in them because I think especially they they kind of I don't know, tell you something new in a way. You know, you kind of it kind of forces you to have to relearn some of your the things that you think you know in a way I guess um but w- what was that experience like because I know especially you know graduate school there's such an emphasis on on research and you know really being in your studio but especially to kind of develop the way that you're thinking about things so what can you think about or or what stands out in terms of of research and and the way that you I don't know maybe started to approach uh, approach your work differently at this time when I came to graduate school I think the biggest turn in my work was that I needed to work with the figure to kind of start to talk about what I was interested in, which was images. My work was really kind of a response to probably the move and being living alone in a state that I'd never been in before. And so I was really interested in images at the time period. I was, you know, looking through a lot of fashion magazines and lots of books and recording things and being in my art history classes, continually looking at images and just being kind of consumed at looking and and thinking about how two-dimensional images operate all the time. And so I kind of became really obsessed with that. And so the work started to kind of grow from that obsessiveness. And I think when I was in graduate school, my work was a lot more academically oriented. It, It was strongly related to art history. There were a lot of paintings that were borrowing from images that had some kind of relationship to a Baroque painting or some kind of painting that had a relationship to Rococo, you know, so very specific movements in art history that I was interested in. I was finding images through magazines that I, that I thought had a relationship to those. And so I was really curious to see how, you know, some of these ideas are still being recycled and and reappropriated today, but have kind of lost their luster or kind of lost their meaning. And so I was kind of exploring some of those areas, trying to figure out if, if these still have room to grow or if, or if that content is kind of null and void. I, I guess, you know, this is maybe a general question and something that maybe still relates to what you're doing now, but how does the 
representational aspects of your work balance out with the abstraction? And I'm sure that that'll kind of open up into like another offshoot. But I mean, <laughs> there's there's certain aspects of it that kind of go back and forth in, in some of them. You know, there's a level of it being, you know, this representational image, especially some of them, you know, I can imagine if you're if you're further back might look very tight and then kind of you know, maybe change a little bit as, as you're kind of seeing, especially the, the surface and, you know, mm-hmm. the materiality. But what's that relationship um, in your work? And is that something, again, you've kind of described it as something that, that maybe kind of came in a little bit later. But could you talk a little bit about that? When I first came to graduate school, I was looking at photographs, fashion photography specifically, and I was kind of emulating a lot of the images. My paintings are really thin and flat. You could definitely tell that they had a very strong relationship to photography um, and the way that, you know, lighting happens and the way that the figures kind of flatten out or distorted. But I realized that I, I wasn't really interested in articulating those, those photographs. What I was really interested in was the possibility between opening up some of the dialogue and allowing painting to kind of not just act on the illusion of the image, but to kind of create this dialogue between, you know, material and image or surface and image. And so, my work started to become more and more painterly. It started to become a lot looser. And so I really started thinking about how do I develop this range between surface and image? And the materiality in the work is always kind of this, I don't know if I could say aggressor, that might be a little too serious, but it's definitely an antagonist within the work. You know, it's definitely, uh, it can definitely take away from the image, but it can also add to the image where it can, you know, have kind of a dialogue with the image. And so that materiality has really become important, especially in my work that I'm making or that I have been making in the past few years after graduate school. Kind of draws attention to itself, you know, a piece of paper or -hmm. something that you're kind of collaging in. And that's something also we could talk about is it seems like something that would kind of add to that idea of it being artificial or maybe like another aspect, another layer, if you will, because you also talk about pulling from a, a bunch of different sources. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, collage is something that's really fascinating because there are the moments in my paintings where the collage is really successful, meaning that the, it's not perceived as collage. It's trompeau, you know, it creates this very illusionistic surface that, that works within the image. And then there are moments where I really like to use materials and collage within a work that disrupts that illusion of the image, that literally, you know, aggravates that image that doesn't allow you to kind of complete that image is as one image. It starts to kind of break down certain areas of the painting, you know, and whether that's good or bad, that's something that I'm really interested in. It's kind of back and forth uh, between an image, right? Areas that start to open up for new meaning and other areas that literally purely only function aesthetically or something beautiful. And I think the the work is really starting to reflect that now. How does how does space work in the image, you know, that you're making? Because again, you know, we've talked about it being very flat at times. Yeah. Um, and then something that you maybe investigated in more of a representational way. So mm-hmm. how how did that that play a role? Was that something where you were looking at different artists or something that, that took place in the studio as as you were kind of working differently? Actually, the space and the images, is, I think, can be really productive uh, because I do have moments where the image is really flat. It's very synthetic. That That flatness is something that I've always been drawn to that stems from photography. Uh, but I, I really like that difference between having uh, an image that's completely compressed that looks like it's not very dimensional and, and then having areas that open up that kind of have a very strong root in representational space. I think that 
these areas really start to kind of allow for this dialogue to take place. And so, you know, using a wide range of sources, whether it's photographs and then, you know, considering the materials that I'm collaging and I'm, you know, I'm using photographs and fabric and, you know, all different kinds of, of objects to collage in these spaces. The space in the work is is probably one of the main ways that I can kind of explore content, you know, because how do you really add content to a still life? I mean, the still has been around forever, you know, how do you really make a vase of sunflowers contemporary, you know? So how do we, how do we kind of get these images to break down or to um, kind of hold up in certain areas that, that allow for viewers to kind of have a certain response that isn't possible in older work? Brings me back to that idea of material because, Areas that seem like they're, again, very sanded away. The underpaintings seem like in some cases very kind of very rough or wet into wet. But then you can kind of, to me anyways, you can kind of see those areas that seem like they're kind of gone over then with these much kind of thicker areas, you know, much more kind of like layering of, of the paint. Based on the paintings really allows the image to open up more for the viewer. And there's something... I don't know. There's something very interesting that I've always kind of worked with space. I've always had this kind of strange flatness, these kind of clumsy, dumb moments where the images make sense as an environment, but there are moments where the painting completely falls apart. And I think that space that operates within each image and every space within the painting is different, but I think the space and the image kind of has these moments of, of criticality in it or believability and other moments where the, the space becomes kind of whether maybe it's poorly painted or maybe it's more naively painted, these moments where the painting kind of becomes sincere, where the material um, allows itself to be exactly what it is, you know, to not function as an image, to realize that maybe, you know, it, it really is just a piece of paper glued down. Um, and so I think kind of some of these clumsier moments within those spaces allow for this relationship to be very critical, but to also kind of have this sincere relationship to the subject matter and this practice. And so there's kind of this back and forth or give and take between the material and the image and between, you know, the space and the way that the space is rendered. And even between the subject that I'm working with, you know, whether it's a portrait or whether it's, uh, you know, um, a still life. I think that relationship is always there. There's always this kind of sincere love of what I'm working with, but then I'm also very critical of how am I going to work with these images, especially when it comes to working with portraits. That's a whole other uh, range of things to think about, especially in relationship to space. It makes me wonder then too, like in terms of materiality, have you kind of really developed that language, the way that you use paint, the way that you layer it? Is that something that's ever kind of influenced by other other artists or other things that you're looking at? Or, but is that something that's ever kind of popped in there in terms of like the, the way that you're working? Or is it something that that language is all kind of like built out of abstraction and just kind of you continually add new ways of exploring, you know, what it is that you're looking at in painting? There are definitely painters that I absolutely love their work. And, you know, whether it's purely just because of their surfaces or, or because of their, what they're trying to do with their work. And, you know, some of my favorite painters would be, you know, Gerhard Richter and then Dana Schutz, George Bazlitt. I don't, yeah. I mean, even Alison Schulnick, I really like her work. So there are definitely painters that I'm really interested in, whether it's because of their material usage, like Alison Schulnick's work, uh, you know, heavy impasto painting or looking at Gerhard Richter's surfaces, even his abstract works where he's just dragging paint across the surface and, you know, or looking at Dana Schutz's, like her sneeze paintings, you know, really thinking about moments that are really funny, but that are also kind of really stupid and clumsy, you know, like sneezing in a painting is so stupid yet so profound, you know, so trying to find these moments, especially when working with the figure, trying to find moments 
where there's something that's not really happening. There's not a specific thing that's happening, but there is kind of this moment within the image. I'm not sure if that's probably the best way to describe the portraits that I'm working with, but all the the portraits that I've been working with are, they're always aware or they have always been aware of their own imageness or their own pictureability or their quality of being looked at, especially in graduate school. My, my portraits were always very, very, very self-conscious or very conscious of being an image. And now the portraits have kind of shifted to kind of being, I don't know if I would say disinterestedness, uh, but maybe more of a, an apathy towards the viewer. You know, they kind of look bored or they're, you know, kind of uh, distracted. And so that work is kind of shift, I think, to kind of reflect also the way that I'm using materials within the image. You know, so like one of them specifically, um, I have a girl with, you know, butterflies on her face and thinking about how the materiality of the butterflies is kind of this antagonist within the work. And yet, you know, the, she's still looking back at the viewer. There's this kind of pause or this moment where the, the image kind of solidifies, but she's also aware of, of being looked at, but then she's also just kind of not really doing anything. There's this kind of, I guess, apathy might be kind of the best way to describe some of them. In terms of like the way that you process this, could you kind of walk us through like, and maybe that painting or maybe another painting mm-hmm. um, similar to it? Because I'm, I'm curious how much of it is, is there, is there a lot of like discovery for you as you're working through these in terms of the way that you change it? Is it something that, you know, is kind of planned out or something that's spontaneous as you're, as you're, as you're working through a, a new work? Yeah, my, my work is actually always very reactive. Um, and I don't mean that to, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm not thinking about the work, but my work is always, uh, I'm always using images as my source. I'm never working on a composition before the painting. I, I don't like do a drawing and then I paint. It's all one and the same process for me. When I was in graduate school, the work was a very, very quick response. You know, I would sit down and I would make a painting in six hours and it was a very quick and economical painting. You know, it was a kind of a snapshot. It was a very, very short amount of time within that work. They were really fast images. But now I think after being out of graduate school and being around these paintings, the sense of time has really started to slow down within the work and they become these kind of slow accumulations of of material um, and space and light and all these things really start to be influenced. I think just partly because I have more time to look at them and to be around them. There's not this kind of, you know, looming deadline. And so some of the paintings that I'm actually going to have in the show were paintings that I'd made in, you know, 2010. And I have had just sitting in my studio and I went back through them and being able to go back and kind of react to an to a painting that I'd made as a reaction to another painting is kind of an interesting process. So in a way I'm kind of cannibalizing my own work again. And I'm kind of really interested in that. A lot of the things that seem to be present in the most recent works are, are still things that are relevant to the older ones and, and mm-hmm. vice versa. I mean, maybe I'm going in the opposite direction. I should be talking about the older work related to the newer work, but <laughs> you can, but you can see those relationships in the way that they kind of continue. What would you say is different about, kind of working with, I guess, like specifically just paint versus, you know, ones where you're kind of approaching them with more of a a material exploration or a collage kind of mentality? Well, I think part of it is what, what I'm working with. So, you know, when I'm, the still lives are really more geared towards this, um, obsessiveness or this, I guess, fetishizing materiality or, or looking at an image, you know, it's really about this, uh, this complication of, of looking at images or kind of being lost in that um, over decadence. 
Uh, and so materiality in the still lifes is really, really important because it has to be strong enough in the image to complicate it. It can't just be, you know, an image of, of flowers on a vase. It has to be, for me in any way, it has to go further than that. I need some kind of really strong moments in the painting where it really just falls apart, where it's really not about what I'm painting at all. It's really about the material, you know? And so I think that's kind of a way to kind of break open this shell of still life. I mean, it's still around. Um, and I think that's one way to kind of, you know, open up this, this genre, but with the portraits, they're so much more complicated. I mean, anytime that you sit down and work with the figure, especially the female figure, it's, um, it's always, it's always going to be seen as kind of a political act. So the way that I'm looking at the images of the women that I'm working with are, are, they have to be a lot slower now than they used to be before. I'm not just painting in a reaction to fashion photography or, or painting a reaction to an image that I found, you know, at a, at a store, but they're, they're a lot slower. The portraits have really kind of slowly, slowly developed. And I have to be a lot more conscious about how I'm deciding to work with material, you know, even, even really subtle things like the placement of a shadow, you know, can, can really change the context of a portrait. And so I think one of the ones that I'm interested in most right now is it's called in 3d. It's this girl with these collaged, literally it's their actual 3d glasses collaged onto the surface of the canvas. And you know, she's kind of looking off in the distance wearing these 3D glasses. And there's this really kind of strange moment in the painting. Or if you look at the painting long enough, you start to realize that the hand coming up from the bottom isn't actually her own arm. And there's no way that if you know anything about the figure, there's no way that it could physically possibly even be her own. And so there are these really kind of strange moments in the painting where uh, there are these kind of invasions of the space, or there's this some kind of potential threat, or maybe not even threat is the appropriate word, but some kind of invasion of that space, you know, whether it's stickers or uh, butterflies, you know, something as trivial as glitter, you know, or something a little bit more impending, like a hand, an an unknown hand. So that's something that I'm really interested in. And that's developing in a a way different way. So the, the still lives and the portraits are definitely related through materiality. I mean, that's something that really holds them together. But as far as surface and subject, I mean, working with the portrait will never be the same as working with the still life. You know, it just has a totally different context. And that's what I'm really interested in is that dialogue between uh, still life and portraiture, especially women. How do these, how do these things influence each other? Because I really think that they're, you know, asking questions about being looked at, right. Or being aware of being looked at. And how do we, how do we deal with that? I mean, like with most art, I mean, obviously like um, there's somebody that makes it and then there, there are the people that are kind of experiencing it and trying to, mm-hmm. trying to take something from it or experience it. And so that idea of like somebody making this is something that seems like it's always a bit more removed. And I think especially with portraiture, it makes sense that it's so much more direct, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a figure, you know, it's a person, the the viewer might want to kind of figure out what's going on here. You know, they might want to relate to this this image. And so I think a lot of the things that you're talking about are really interesting, but also something that I think make it very accessible. You know, it's not like like the paintings themselves don't seem very aggressive, especially that that surface. It's funny that you met, that you brought this one up, especially because I, I think the ba- the underpainting, the background is so soft and I don't know, so interesting. But again, it's it's cool to think about the way that you might then incorporate like a, a just a collage element to kind of interrupt that, and then also to I don't know, kind of set up a scenario where the viewer is left to kind of piece together what's what's going on in here. Yeah, that's something that I'm I'm really interested. In. I mean, 
the collage specifically in that image, the one in 3D, is really about that moment of interruption. You know, it, it really disrupts the purpose of, of the original image. You know, it's really not about her. It's really about this strange moment of witnessing looking at something in a way. So I really like that. That I really like this painting, probably because it's so new. <laughs> But I think I really like the painting because it really kind of starts to talk about this idea of, of observation uh, and what it's really about and some of the ramifications behind that, you know, and I, I really think that is where my work is headed. It's something that I'm I'm really, really excited that's been developing in the work because it's really, when I say portraiture, I don't mean, you know, the, I'm not thinking of any of these images of women as actually people, you know, they're just, they're images. And so... I'm really interested in how there's kind of this flickering or maybe, maybe flickering isn't the right word, maybe more of a continuum of where they break down and they completely become material. You know, there, you can see parts of the figure through, through this, whether it's a still life or, you know, through this other jungle, I have kind of other paintings that deal with this Um, or whether you actually are presented with the figure, but the, I think the strongest ones are always about this kind of always on the verge of being a portrait or on the verge of slightly being narrative or on the verge of being only about materiality. So there's, it's kind of straddling, you know, three fences, <laughs> if you will, uh, at once. And so that's why I'm kind of excited about that painting. So thinking about that, I think is, is where my work is headed right now. So we'll see how that turns out. One of the things that I want to address too is how much of this is, is about your experiences versus um, mm. like, a, like an idea or perception. Cause I like, especially when you're bringing up the idea of incorporating your life, it kind of moves it into a more real, real experience, or at least maybe brings, brings up that idea in my head. That's a really good question. That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, well, I, it's multiple questions, I guess. <laughs> That's what I do. I I, 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 I I just kind of throw five things at someone and see what sticks. So Okay, well, let me start with graduating. After grad school, yeah, my work uh, definitely shifted physically because, you know, you lose your, you lose your studio and you have to find a new space to work. And, you know, I went from being at ISU in the graduate house, having really large ceilings and, you know, amazing facility there, having racks to store work in, having a whole nother room to critique your work in. I mean, that is just, it was awesome, you know? And so moving into the basement <laughs> of our house was a totally eye-opening experience. You know, the work had to, in a way, respond in order to survive. You know, I had to adapt my practice to to accommodate uh, the space that I was in. And so uh, consequently, the work became sw- smaller. You know, I, I stopped working with very specific um, art historical sources. I wasn't making six foot by seven foot paintings, uh, you know. So the scale was definitely, definitely in- influenced the work. And because of the scale shift, you know, I, I wasn't working with multiple figures in an image. I started really thinking about, okay, if I'm going to continue my practice. And, you know, I'm really thinking about how I'm going to continue this body of work, you know, especially graduating after graduate school, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to to keep making those paintings. And so I knew that I was still interested in working with portraits. Um, and so I was working small at the time. And luckily, uh, Jonathan Higgins, who is one of the guys over at mannequin press, uh, asked me to come over and do some prints with him or monotypes last 
spring. And so doing that with him was a really great way that actually got me working with still lifes. It was a new opportunity to work with him in the printmaking press. And so I think that kind of flatness that I had for my undergrad when I was working in printmaking that was always in my paintings came back all of a sudden. My work was a little bit less photo-based. It was more about collage. And I think a lot of the materiality and the way that I'm working with the still lives actually came from my time working at Mannequin Press with Jonathan. And so that was, it was, it's really interesting now to think how much that one experience with him uh, has really influenced the body or the trajectory of my still life work, which was, it was just pretty incredible. But I mean, is that something too, where then you're looking around your studio and, and your space and you're pulling things in from, from your experience then in a, in a slightly different way than you were before then? Yeah, I mean, I know I, mean, I know that you're saying that, but I mean, like, very literally, I mean, is it something where things that you, that are around your house, your environment, is that some, is, are those, are there any examples of that? Like, say, maybe in absolutely. the show coming up that really kind of pull from that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of kind of the awesome things about being out of school is that the work really starts to be, I think, a really pure representation of who you are as an artist. And so for me, that meant that I wasn't trying to make these academic paintings. I wasn't trying to work with our history sources. I was starting to kind of pull from my own experiences and surroundings. And so, yeah, I mean, especially the still lives are definitely reflective of some of the environments that I'm in. You know, my mom was, my mom is a gardener. My grandma was a gardener. Uh, You know, I grew up always knowing flowers, picking flowers. So, you know, living in a house and having more time now than maybe I'm in graduate school, gardening, a lot of these things influence my work, you know, I have a lot of plants in my house. So a lot of those plants, like the one painting is of a rubber plant, you know, stem from having these things in my home. And so I am definitely interested in that relationship. My experiences and the way that, you know, I set up my own space in my house definitely has kind of creeped into the work, you know, whether it's through subject matter or whether it's through the materials that I'm collaging, like doilies or, you know, Christmas wrapping paper that I have left over or cat hair on my floor. (laughs) So, so, you know, yeah, that definitely has influenced my work, you know, and then thinking about the portraits too, those are, I think the way, not, not the subject material in them, but the actual way that I approach those paintings is definitely, definitely stems from my experience specifically as a woman, I think. And so I think they're a lot more honest about the way that I kind of perceive uh, these images or, or even perceive myself in the world or, or other women. And so not that I'm trying to alienate men out there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm making them in kind of a personal way uh, because they do stem from my own experiences and, and thinking about, you know, how do we construct things? How are images constructed? How do we look at things? What's what's the purpose of these things? You know, why? Sure, sure. Well, and Questions of beauty are always, you know, definitely throughout the work, always, always in the work. There's so many different stages of, it's almost like acceptance of different bodies of work in a way, or like, yeah. you can kind of look back into a closet and be like, yeah, I remember what I was thinking then. Yeah. And so, sometimes it really syncs up and sometimes it doesn't. So I, for me, again, I'm really curious, I'm sure that you're concerned with the viewer, but maybe like the way that you're approaching them, like you're saying, you're just, there doesn't have to be this, this, um, thing that you're referencing like you know like before maybe it was our history it seems like now it's kind of free to really be about what you want it to be it sounds like you're saying yeah absolutely i mean i'm not so concerned with the with the type of image that i'm making i'm not trying to make it look like a broke painting or use or borrow those moments i still i still look at images and appropriate things from them whether it's surface or light or color but the work is really kind of opened up in a way that 
I'm not trying to create a very specific image. I think the idea of what I'm looking for is a lot more concrete than it's ever been before. And so maybe that's something that comes after graduating from graduate school. Cause I never felt like that in grad school. I was always kind of, you're like continually digging your own grave. <laughs> At least I felt that way. I was like, Oh, how many, how many times can I fail in this painting? You know, which was really productive for me. But I, when I graduated from graduate school with my show, I didn't really feel like my graduate show was like this all inclusive, like, yeah, this is how I really want my work to be. I think it was really um, a big risk. And now I feel like because I took those risks in school, my work now is, is really starting to develop in a place where I'm really comfortable with it because it is a response to, I think, kind of my worldview on things. Yeah, it's it's very exciting to think about, especially like the way that they'll, I don't know, just certainly to see them all up, you know, that's kind of one thing that you hit on that, you know, you you really lose after school is like a, a wonderful space to just kind of take all of the paintings that you've been making and get them out of your studio and see them up on a wall. So I don't yeah. know, what, what do you think that's going to be like? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're, you know, very excited, but <laughs> is that something that you're kind of looking forward to anticipation? Just, you know, what it's going to be like to be able to see these in this environment, but then also like, you know, what is different or is it, is it that exhibition that you kind of, like you're saying, you kind of knew was coming, but you know, it was just a little bit off because you needed all these other, these other experiences to kind of put it together in this, this new way. I'm I'm really excited to see them all in one space. Um, the last time that I saw a group of, specifically the Still Lives, was at a, a faculty show at ISU in January, and that was really funny because I had taken my paintings over there, dropped them off, and then I I couldn't come back until the opening. And then at the opening, they all four of them were really closely spaced next to each other, and it was really funny because that's how they hang in my studio. And so I was really hoping to see them spaced apart, you know, and act really differently. So it was really funny to see how close of a relationship they really have together. And so seeing them kind of compress that space was really interesting. But for the show, I'm really hoping to kind of use that space to kind of really let these kind of breathe a little bit, because I think they really need it, especially uh, with the materiality. You know, some of them, some of the paintings really just need their own space uh, and others really need to inform each other. And that's kind of something I'm interested in is this kind of fluctuation between a painting that can purely operate on its own. And that's really interesting. And then a painting that needs to be next to that painting because it does kind of fail in its, in its efforts. It is kind of apathetic or lazy or kind of poorly constructed, or it's not articulate enough, or maybe it's slightly heavy handed. And so it needs this kind of relationship with its like sister painting. So I'm really interested in how the curation of the show is going to go. I'm really, really curious to see how that space works out specifically uh, in relationship to the fact that it's in, you know, Peoria, which is a very different city than Bloomington, you know, and I'm always really curious in how my like Midwestern uh, upbringing influences my work and my aesthetic. I'm really curious to see how people respond to paintings <laughs> or my paintings specifically. Well, it's I think it's especially interesting to think about like like you were saying, just how how they're going to hang together. You know, the way that they can kind of influence each other because it, it is one thing to kind of see them kind of solitary. And then another thing to kind of see the way that they're interacting with each other, like, especially because the other paintings, if you're looking at something that's, that's, you know, purely more, or at least leaning more towards art historical mm -hmm. versus something that feels more flat, like a magazine, are you not sure what it's going to look like then? You know, because I don't <laughs> know, like, like, I mean, I, I, cause I think the artists, you know, I think artists like really significant changes can be very small. 
the space is really going to to be the, the make or break of that, that space, right? Whether, you know, how many paintings I can have in succession or if I'm going to be grouping them in small groups or if I'm pairing them off. That's something that I'm still uh, working through. I probably should have had that figured out already, but, um, usually, you know, when it comes down to it, you really just have to see, at least for me, I, I have to see it in that space because, you know, I can plan as much as I want, but until I'm in that space and actually see, you know, walking through that space, understanding, you know, what happens if you turn around this corner and this, this painting is across from this painting. That, that curatorial process is something I'm really, really interested in, especially because there's these two different, you know, genres of work. And I, I'm really trying to create this dialogue between both of them. And so I'm hoping that with being very selective about which ones I'm showing and, and where I'm showing them, that they really do start to kind of talk back and forth. Because I, I do think that there are some paintings that are a lot more successful than others, uh, and I really like that. I really like that. I really like the the possibility of being able to show a painting that is kind of that slightly fails, or maybe that it's slightly mediocre. You know, next to another painting. You know, what does that do for that body of work? Is that is that productive for the book? And so, I'm really curious to see how that's going to come out. Well, and before the podcast, you you kind of admitted that you are you've been obsessively working over this, especially in the last <laughs> month, but that that you might even still be kind of working. Um, I mean, are you just bringing a truckload of things there and then just kind of... Yeah. I, I'm planning on bringing a collection of of paintings, and I'll probably pick a few to kind of remove. I, I The majority of the structure of how I want the show to go is, is pretty much set. I just have to figure out what pieces I need to remove. The hardest process is editing, I think, and that's something that you know, whether you go, when you go to a show that's not successful, I think that's always kind of one of the main things is that they didn't edit their work down. So, so is there anything else that you're, you're thinking about specifically for this show that's going to be, uh, I don't know, just like a little interesting uh, departure again? I know that there's a lot of them, but I think you're talking something a little bit about, about uh, titles and that. So, yeah. So uh, the titles of the work is something that I've really been thinking about uh, more and more when I first started painting, it was something that I always kind of dismissed as annoying <laughs> or unnecessary. But now I really am thinking about how they, they kind of have a sarcasm to them. Uh, you know, they're kind of smart ass, <laughs> you know, so a lot of the titles of my paintings, specifically my still lives are, are kind of dismissive to the idea of, of still life itself as kind of a dismissive to the fact that it is, you know, a worthy category of painting, even though it's the lowly, lowly still life, uh, because of its academic, you know, role in training. Uh, so, you know, titles like another still life for your kitchen, you know, something that's kind of humble, I guess, in a way, you know, it's, it's completely admitting what it is, you know, the majority of the work would function appropriately in a domestic setting, but it's also kind of critical too uh, of its role in relationship to that. You know, and other things like, you know, being really aware of, of the relationship to the figure, you know, like in 3D or, you know, still life with irises, thinking about, um, you know, a person being kind of <clears throat> subsumed or even merged into the still life, right? Not really having its own identity, but being kind of part of this material uh, and, you know, composition, this this really kind of lavish surface, but only really being image, you know, so taking a still life with irises is probably a pretty good example because it takes, you know, a portrait of a woman and kind of merges her within this weird still life. You know, it's, 
she is and then she isn't, you know, so there's this, a lot of dismissiveness or kind of criticality uh, in relationship to what's happening within the work. And so that kind of sarcasm or this kind of, uh, you know, criticality is, is something I am really interested in, especially in relationship to these types of images that I'm working with. So between the void, could you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what maybe what the name of the, the title is about? Between the void is really a if it's going to be about something, I guess you could say it's really about the lack of discussion between portraiture and still life, between the ideas of beauty and content, surface and image and, uh, you know, sincerity and, and criticality. And so the body of work that I've been generating for the past year or so kind of grapples with and questions these differences. So some of the paintings focus purely on the design of the image while Others are about the strangeness of looking and or being aware of being looked at or that awareness itself. Uh, and each painting is meant to function within this larger context. And so they inform one another and continue this kind of larger dialogue within the body of work and consequently, you know, often complicate one another. The opening is Saturday, March 22nd. Awesome. Well, again, it should be a very exciting time. And I just really appreciate you taking the time uh, chatting with me today and, you know, getting a little bit more familiar with your work and how it all goes together. So, oh, Well, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Mel for joining us. And once again, check out her website, melcookart.com. And of course, her solo exhibition, Between the Void, opens this Saturday, March 22nd, at the Peoria Art Guild in Peoria, Illinois. So go check it out. I have a two-person exhibition opening up at the Cochrane Gallery at the Rehoboth Art League in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. So, again, if you're around March 29th, you can find more information about that on our Facebook page. But if you'd like to see some of the paintings that I do or any of my work, you can go to davidlinaway.com. We'd also like to remind any BFAs, MFAs, or professional artists out there that would like to be featured on Studio Break to apply for our 2014 competition. Again, the deadline is going to be May 31st, and the details will be out shortly on that. But I can say that our juror this year is Richard Holland from Bad at Sports, the wonderful art podcast, so we're very excited about that. We do want to remind you that there are a number of additional interviews available on studiobreak.com, so please go and peruse, check them out. Again, each of those posts have images of the artist's work, links to their websites. The podcast is available in iTunes, so make sure that you subscribe. And if you like it and listen to it for a long time, please leave us some comments, some feedback. It generally helps others that love podcasts and are always looking for new ones to listen to, so we really appreciate it. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook, so follow our Facebook page and like it. You can follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course our Tumblr page is studio-break. So please check us out in those formats to stay up to date with what's going on. Our last bit of thanks to Skylar Mail, who provides the music for Studio Break. He is a multifaceted, talented artist. Check out his work at SkylarMail.com. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Studio Break. Please reach out and say hello, and we'll talk to you real soon.